0: Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. When I stepped in here a year ago, it, uh, it looked like, you know, you left 2017 and stepped right back into 1962. And, uh, but this looks, this looks good today. And uh, how, many, how many are thankful for what God did here at Weston Road? But don't ever forget, this, I, I said it Friday, this is not the vision. This is the platform to the vision. Because a lot of people think, well, you know, we've, uh, we've remodeled the inside of the church. It looks good. I guess we're all set. No, you're not all set. You're just beginning what God has started for you. And so it always looks good to have, you know, a a modern building so that you can draw in the younger crowd, too. And, uh, you know, because what happens is a lot of churches, uh, you know, especially the ones that are dying out are the ones that have, like, people that look like they're ready to kick the bucket at any moment now, and they have no young people in their church. And so when I walked in here, I was very excited to see what's happening here at Weston Road, I'm excited that God is using my friend Jonathan, your pastor. I call him Jonathan all the time, so forgive me. I, I try to be respectful and say pastor, but every once in a while it just slips my mind. And uh, But I'm so thankful for what God is doing uh, through Pastor Jonathan and the leadership of this church. And I believe, you know, this is only the beginning. I believe God's going to take this church the furthest it has ever gone. You think of how far you've come. It's not even. Uh, it's not even like close to where God wants to take this place. And so I believe this weekend, you know, we had a good service on Friday night. I believe we're going to have a good service and a good word today. Uh, I told the church on Friday, I haven't even been home yet. I was in the Netherlands last week uh, for about a week. And so the, I'm still trying to overcome the, the time change. And uh, it was six hours ahead there, but we had a good time while we were in the Netherlands preaching. Before that, I was in Florida. And so I was in Florida for a week, and then I went straight to the Netherlands, and then now I'm here, got on a plane, landed in Boston, Massachusetts. I drove all the way to Toronto to come and preach, and then tomorrow, I finally get to go home and see my family, and uh, I get to see my son, who's six years old, and uh, literally six years old. How old is Josiah? He's going to be six. My son is six years old, and he comes up to hear on me he's big and uh, and my daughter she's just like a little tiny peanut but uh, every time i go back home they always like they, they always look different and they're always bigger and so sometimes i feel like i'm missing their childhood but thank god for facetime and skype i get to see them i spoke to my son this morning somebody my wife and i recently just bought a house uh, right outside of bangor maine and the lord truly blessed us i'm not going to go uh, into detail with, with, uh, with the story I did on Friday night but my wife and I bought a house that was built in 2004 and uh, with 3,500 square feet and we own four acres of land just the other day a black bear came running out of our backyard we have like 25 deer every morning in our backyard, and we have like about 150 turkeys. So if you like to hunt, come to my house, and you can shoot a turkey right off of my deck. And, uh, and so anyways, but the Lord really blessed us with that. And, uh, you know, here in Toronto, something, you know, like that, 3,500 square feet, four acres of land, would probably cost a decent amount of money. But in Corinth, Maine, We bought it for $179,000, and so we really got blessed, and, uh, you know, that's the favor of God upon our life, and uh, we have a TV studio in the basement now where every week we're going to start doing live streams through social media with Facebook, so if you don't follow us on Facebook, I encourage you, follow us on Facebook, because you get to see everywhere that we're going, and the next couple of months, I'm going to... I'm going to Cuba. Next week I'll be in Pennsylvania and then but in the next month we're going to go to Cuba to preach the gospel over there for the first time. Now, many Canadians go to Cuba. You don't, you know, it's not a problem for Canadians to go to Cuba. But if you have an American passport, it becomes a problem when you go to Cuba. They really don't like Americans over there. And so we're going there for three days or four days. We're going in, and we're coming straight out. And then the following week after that, I get home for three days, and then I go straight to Bangalore, India, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we will be there for 12 days. And... Uh, and so the last time when I was in India last year and the year before... We had great moves of God. Many people came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. In one service, we had over 300 Muslims come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. So God's on the move all over this world. Can somebody say amen? And so I believe just like God moved over in India, and just like God moved in the Netherlands when I was there last week, God's going to move here this morning. And for some of you, you may have some needs, you may have some desires that you're believing God for. And I've, I've come to unite my faith with yours and see what people may say, may say may be impossible. You serve the God that makes the impossible always possible in your life. Can somebody say amen? And I was listening to Pastor Jonathan and he was talking about his, uh, that friend of his that he knows that's out in BC is that what you said and they they said that it was impossible to take that cyst off of his back and you know they did the surgery and finally they took it off but now he's paralyzed from you know from the from the abdomen down but how many of us know that that's nothing for God the bible says you know the bible says according to your faith be it done unto you and so i believe that god still has the power to heal people of every infirmity in sickness that there is. The Word of God, when preached, still has the power to call sinners to the foot of the cross so that they could repent and be made brand new in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? But one thing that I see in the body of Christ happening is this, is that there are many people that have been saved for many years, or there are those that come and get saved, But then that's all that ever happens. They get saved and nothing ever changes in their life. But when you become a child of God, a son or a daughter of God, then your life should never remain the same ever again. You should go from one thing to the next thing in the things of God. And so I see that there's a lot of people, especially with the older generation, that they've stayed stuck in the same season their entire lives. But God, has, God did not create you so that you can remain stuck in a certain season of life. God created you so that you can go higher and higher and higher in the things of the Lord. Can somebody say amen? And so I kind of want to go in that lines this morning. I'm not going to take too much of your time because I say, I say that all the time. But then I do take a lot of your time. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to try not to take a, a lot of your time because I know some of you have some places to be after the service. But uh, I, I really feel that if you will receive this word today, you will leave here with a, a, a brand new uh, perspective in life. And not only that, you'll be fully charged out to go out into the world this week and to cause havoc on the devil's kingdom. Can somebody say amen? And so I want to speak to you out of Ezekiel chapter 47. Ezekiel chapter 47, and I'm going to be reading out of verses 1 through 5. Ezekiel 47, verse 1 through 5. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. I I know some of you are probably looking at your table of contents, trying to figure out where Ezekiel is at. It's in the Old Testament, I'll say that much. But Ezekiel chapter 47, verses 1 through 5. This is what the Bible says. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. Now I know why some people were just staring at me. The words are right behind me. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and there I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway, and he led me around the eastern entrance. There I could see water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet, and then he led me across. The water was up to my ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet, and he led me across again. This time the water was up to my knees. And after another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. And then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but it was too deep to walk through. Can somebody say amen? Now, from reading our text this morning, what I wanted to show you and where I wanted to concentrate this morning is that there is an overflow of the Spirit of God that he desires for each and every single one of us to tap into. Up until now, each and every single one of us may have experienced seasons in life where the Spirit of God has moved tremendously in our midst. But as great as those seasons may have been and as great as those moves may have been, I believe God wants to bring the church into a realm where we will dwell in the overflowing waters of the Spirit of God. I said this on Friday night, one of the greatest things that I had to overcome is I needed to have an understanding that not everybody is at the same level when it comes to the things of God. And so I know here in this sanctuary, not everybody is operating at the same level. Not everybody may be at the same level when it comes to faith or when it comes to the things of God. But I've come to encourage you this morning, I haven't come to condemn you, but I've come to encourage you and tell you that if you are not where you should be when it comes to the things of God, My desire for you this morning is that you would not leave this place content with staying at the level that you are are at, but that you would allow God to ignite a fire on the inside of you that would propel you into the deep things that God has for you, and that you would realize today that no matter how high in the things of God you may get to, understand that God always wants to take you higher. Allow God today through his spirit to take you into the overflow of his power and of his presence. Why? So that you can step outside of these four walls and make a greater impact for the kingdom of God On this earth. Let me encourage you this morning. Let your desire be today. I'm thankful to be where I'm at today. And let me just say pause and say this real quickly. I'm thankful that I'm not at the same place right now as I was a year ago. And my desire for you today is this. That you would be thankful to be where you are at in the things of God. But let your desire grow and say next week, next month, next year. I want to be even higher in the things of God. Let me encourage you, my friend, don't ever reach a point in your walk with the Lord that you feel like you have reached your limit, but be the one this morning that says, I'm going to go higher, I'm going to go deeper, and I'm going to go to another level in the kingdom of God. And the reason we go higher is so that we can leave a mark on this world that will impact the future generation. I know, speaking from Pastor Jonathan that you remodel this church it's not just so that you can look good but you remodel this church why so that it can be the vision that it can be the platform for the vision that God has called Western Road Pentecostal Church to so that you can leave a mark on the future generation that is to come can somebody say amen you see i have the privilege of traveling all over the world because of what I do and because of what I and because of all the travels I get to see a lot of what is happening in other places and I honestly wish that I could tell you that everywhere that I go that they, they that they display the power of God but the truth is this there are many places that operate with no assistance from the holy ghost and the truth is this it's not that God doesn't want to use these places or God can't work through these places But when the Holy Spirit is not invited into their gatherings, then he has no access to do what he wants to do. There are many places that are just content with having their social gatherings where they can sip on their caramel macchiatos and vanilla lattes with their pinkies up in the air but let me tell you something my friend the weapons of your warfare are not caramel macchiatos and they are not vanilla lattes now listen I have nothing against caramel macchiatos and vanilla lattes I like macchiatos I love vanilla lattes but I also understand that if I want a good cup of coffee I'm not going to go to church because from traveling I understand that church Churches just don't know how to brew good coffee. If I want a good cup of coffee, then I'm going to go to a coffee shop. I don't go to church because I want coffee. I go to church because I want to receive from the Lord. Can somebody say amen? They think, well, we got to get these vanilla lattes and caramel macchiatos in our services so that we can be relevant with the younger generation. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is relevant to any generation. Can somebody say amen? Now, there are other people that just simply shove the Holy Ghost away from their gatherings. Why? For fear of being criticized. But understand this today. If you are a believer and you call yourself a son and a daughter of God, You are not supposed to blend in with everybody else, but the truth is you are going to stand out from the crowd. The Bible says that you are the light of the world, and when light comes into contact with darkness, the light always stands out from the darkness. The light always overpowers the darkness. Can somebody say amen? You see, if you wanted to blend in with everybody else, you know what you would have done this morning? You would have stayed home. But the reason you're here this morning says to me, you're not here because the interests of this world doesn't worry you. You're not interested in what this world has to offer, but you're here because you're interested in what God has to offer you this morning. You're here today because you want another next-level experience with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Can somebody say amen? You see, in our text illustrates this morning that there is always another level. There is always a deeper stream. And God's desire for each and every single one of us is that we would find ourselves in the overflowing waters of his spirit. Where we can tap into a realm where we can command signs and wonders at will. And and I know for some of you that may sound crazy and unattainable. But listen to what I'm about to tell you according to the word of God that there is a measure of the Spirit that you can walk in, where you can duplicate the works of Christ here on the earth, as if he physically were here. Because even though he may not be here with us in the flesh, The Bible says we have something even better, and the Bible says he now lives in us through the power and the unlimited form of the Holy Spirit. And so if he lives in us today, then in us is everything that he is and everything that he can do. Now, I remember as a little boy, we used to read in church the Bible, which is a good thing to read the Bible in church. But we used to read John chapter 3 verse 34 where it says that God gave Jesus the spirit without limit. And we have taken that in this modern day to mean that we will never ever be able to reach that level. But listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says as he is, talking about Jesus, so are we in this world. And so if we are like him in this world then that must mean that we can tap into the level where we can operate with the same unlimited access that Jesus had. Now this morning, like I said, not everybody is at the same level when it comes to the things of God, but be not discouraged, my friend. You may be here, what the Bible says, at ankle deep. You may be at knee deep. And for others, you may be at waist deep this morning. But this morning... As I use our text, I want to show you the different measures that God pours out on his people while they are here on the earth. And my desire for you today is this, is that you would understand, regardless of how far I have come in the things of God, understand that God has more for you to experience while you are here on the earth. Now, I'm not going to start off with the first measure. I want to leave that first measure to the end of the service. So I'm going to go straight to the second measure that God pours out on people while they are here on the earth. In the second measure of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says it actually follows repentance, and that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we speak about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, many people, I believe, confuse The Spirit of God coming to live in them at the new birth with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Understand that when God, when Jesus comes to live in you at the new birth, it's a totally different experience than when he comes and fills you with the power of the Holy Spirit. So even though you may have experienced Jesus coming to live in you at the new birth, there is a second dimension of the Spirit of God upon the life of the believer that comes on you after the new birth. And that's what the Bible says is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says that it is accompanied with speaking in other tongues. And I believe it's at, it's at that measure that you enter into a world of supernatural power. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Because even though speaking in tongues is the manifestation of the Spirit coming upon you, the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit coming upon the believer was not so that you would speak in other tongues. It is, I believe, the physical manifestation, uh, the evidence of being baptized in the Holy Ghost. But the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit was not so that you would speak in other tongues. The primary purpose of the Holy Spirit coming upon you was to release power. Jesus said here in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the Bible says that when he told them to go and wait for the promise of the Father, he said, wait until you are endued with power. The words of Jesus in Acts chapter 1 says, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. What did he say? Did he say you will speak in other tongues? No. Jesus said, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power. And that word power in the Greek is the word dunamis, which means miracle working power. So from that moment on, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you enter into a supernatural realm where you begin to release miracles, signs, and wonders everywhere that you go. You enter into a realm where you can shut down and reverse every work of hell that has ever come against you in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? amen? Now we look at the book of Acts and we notice that it was after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was after that experience where Peter and John are walking towards the temple, the Bible says, and they spotted a lame man from birth. Now Peter and John, they constantly went to the temple. And I believe that they must have walked by this man many times who was begging for money. And who knows, maybe as they were walking by him at some time, they may have given him some spare change. They may have given him some money. But on this day, as they were walking towards the temple, and as they were walking by this lame man, this lame man, his story was about to change. Because the Bible says... When Peter and John looked at him, Peter and John said, listen, I don't have any money, I don't have any silver, and I don't have any gold, but such as I have, give ID, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk, and somebody say Amen. Now, when he came into contact with Peter and John, he thought that he was going to receive money, but he actually received something better, and from that moment on, his story began to change. He was no longer that lame beggar by the city gate, but now he was that man who is healed by the power of God, and I prophesy to you today, not only is your story about to change, but the people you come into contact with, their stories are about to change. Why? Because you've got something that you, you've got something better to offer them than this world has to offer. Can somebody say amen? See, the Bible says as one who is filled with the Holy Spirit, you are a carrier of the very same spirit and power that raised Jesus Christ up out of the grave. As a child of God, you possess resurrection power this morning. You possess power to cancel out and shut down every assignment of the enemy against your life. There is a power in you this morning to break the stronghold of the enemy over your life and over your neighbor's life in the name of Jesus. For the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And I believe the moment the church of the Lord Jesus Christ grasps on to the revelation that the same Spirit that raised Christ up out of the grave now lives in you. I believe once we have an understanding of that, you will never ever lose another victory and lose another battle in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? amen? Now, the Bible says the second measure of the Spirit that He pours out on you is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I believe the third measure of the Spirit that the Bible speaks of and pours out upon the believers, is found in Acts chapter 4, verses 5, where the Bible says that the disciples were filled with the Holy Ghost and received power. The Bible says that that was the gateway into the supernatural things of God. But I believe in Acts chapter 2, when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that was only a taste of what God had for them. Because in Acts chapter 4, God was about to release an even greater fire on the inside of them, and let me pause here just to say this, for some of you that are here in this building today, maybe some of you have gotten a taste of God's power in your life, and you may find find yourself amazed at some of the things that God has done through you this far, but how high you may get into the things of God this morning, God always has another level for you, so you can remain stuck in life if you want to remain stuck, But for those of you who want to go higher, for those of you who want to go to a different level, understand today that this morning God has a measure of the Holy Ghost called the anointing that he wants to pour out on you so that you can go out and shake cities and nations with the power of God as you release signs and wonders everywhere that you go in the name of Jesus. And see, just like God did with the disciples in Acts chapter 4, Bible says when they met together in Acts chapter 4, they were discussing what the Pharisees had just done to them. And so when they got back with their own accord, the Bible says, the Bible says that they began to pray to God. And they actually prayed and said, God, stretch out your healing hand and that signs and wonders will be performed through the name of your servant, Jesus Christ. And the Bible says the building shook. And when they walked out of that building that evening, they walked out with the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon their life. Because you see the result of that prayer in Acts chapter five, verse 12, where the Bible says that many signs and wonders were done through the hands of the apostles. And as I began to read that, that many signs and wonders were done through the hands of the apostles. I felt the Lord speak to me and say that 2018 is a year for the church where they're going to get ready to step into a season of many. A season of many wonders. season of many miracles. For Weston Road Church, a season of many souls coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. And from this moment on, all you will ever experience is many victories in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Now, I've experienced some defeats in my life. And I'll tell you what. Experiencing victory is a whole lot better it took me 25 years to realize that I don't ever have to be defeated ever again. I realized that if the same spirit that raised Christ up out of the grave lives on the inside of me, then I have no business in walking in defeat against the enemy. Can somebody say amen? I said this Friday, and Pastor John reminded me that I said it over a year ago, but you can't be defeated. Because when you become born again, God actually positions you to have victory all the days of your life. You say, well, how does he position me? The Bible says in Ephesians 1 that Christ is seated in heavenly places with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says... That position, he is far above every power and far above every principality. But here's where your story, your part comes into play. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says that you are seated in heavenly places with the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you become born again, God actually positions you in heavenly places with the Lord Jesus Christ. So not only is Jesus far above every power and far above every principality, but you as a child of God are far above every power. You're far above every principality. You're far above every work of the enemy. I'm not saying, You're not suffering with sickness and disease in your body, but what I am telling you is this, you are far above the sickness and far above the disease and all it belongs and where it belongs is under your feet in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? amen? And so once you have an understanding that you are positioned in heavenly places with the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll never lose another battle in Jesus' name. Every battle that you encounter will be a sweatless victory in Jesus' mighty name. See, so God releases the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I believe one of the measures, the other measure that God releases upon us that's not really talked about much is the measure of greater works. See, the Bible says that Jesus had the spirit without measure, meaning that he had unlimited access to the spirit of God. But notice that it says he had the spirit Without measure. It doesn't say that he was the only one who could ever have the Spirit without measure. Because according to Jesus, you can also operate with the same immeasurable anointing that Jesus had on his life. You can also have unlimited access to the power of the Holy Spirit operating through you this morning. And I'm going to show you how it's possible for you to operate at the same level that Jesus operated in. And I know sometimes when you start saying things like that, people's faces start looking weird, start looking like somebody, you know got baptized in pickle juice or lemon juice let me hear what this preacher is going with i never say anything that i can't back up with the word of god that's the problem with a lot of preachers they start preaching their own opinions they start preaching their own theologies and doctrines you know with people that become so smart you know what i've noticed in bible college people are so smart that they actually come up with their own theology and come up with their own doctrines and they just well that's not what the word of god really means seriously that's not what the word of God really means. I said, when I got filled and baptized with the Holy Ghost, one of the first things that I came to understand is that God, God meant what he said when he said it. And you can take the word of God just as you read it. Can somebody say amen? People think you got to have, like, theology books to understand what God says. No, the Word of God is so simple that even a five-year-old can understand. A six-year-old can understand. Like for example, my son is six years old, and if you, the Bible says, by his stripes we are healed, my six-year-old will tell you, well, that means that we don't have to be sick anymore, that we can be healthy, that we don't have to have cancer, we don't have to have arthritis. My son is six years old, and he was going to a Baptist school, right? And so one day I walked into the school and the teacher started telling me, well, we had to talk to Matthew today. Well, why did you have to talk to Matthew today? He's putting his hands on people. And, the, you know, the last thing I want, my son is like, uh up to here all me and he weighs like about 105 pounds and by no means is he chubby he's just a solid kid and so you know the last thing I want is for my six-year-old 105 pound son to put his hands on other kids that are like this this size you know he'll hurt them and so I said well you know we don't teach our kid to hit anybody oh she's like let me correct myself he wasn't hitting anybody I said well what was he doing She's like, well, he was going around because, uh, you know, what was his name, Uh, Ryder. Ryder wasn't feeling good. And so he was putting his hands on him, and he was praying for him. I said, oh, so you you reprimanded him for laying your hands on somebody because they were sick? I said, I'm not going to reprimand my son for that. I'm thankful that my son at six years old knows that there's a greater power than doctors, and there's a greater power than medication. Can somebody say amen? Because the word of God says that his word is life to all those who find them. Can somebody say amen? So I'm teaching my son, you know, You can take the word of God and read it just as it is. But a lot of people think you need the theology books. But listen to what Jesus said. Can't get more simpler than this. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. You know what that says? He's about to tell you the truth. Amen. Anyone who believes in me, say anyone. Anyone who believes in me will do, just in case you think I stutter, will do the same works I have done. And even greater works, somebody say greater. greater. And even greater works, because I am going to be with my Father. The Bible tells us in 1 John four seventeen, as he is, so are we in this world. Romans 8, 11 tells us the same Spirit that raised Jesus up out of the grave now lives in us. So the question I have for you this morning is this. If we possess the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ up out of the grave, if as He is, so are we in this world right now. And if according to Jesus, if we are to do the same and even greater works than Him, then how can we be able to do all of that by operating with a lesser measure of the Spirit than He had? We sing that song, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. All I ask is to be like Him. But at the same time, there's this religious voice that says, you will never Be like Jesus. But you know what? All that voice is the the enemy trying to hinder you from fully manifesting the Christ that is in you. Because if truth be known, the devil knows as he is, so are you in this world. So every time you hear that lie, remind yourself you are a Christian. The word Christian was a derogatory term In the book of Acts, for the followers of Christ, which meant the little Christ or the little Jesus. So when people look at you and call you a Christian, by definition it means that you are just like Christ. So the very fact that you are defined of being just like Christ. And by Jesus' own words, that the same works that he has done, you shall be able to do, leads us to believe this morning that we also have access to the unlimited spirit of God. You see, when you become a Christian, Jesus duplicates himself on the inside of you so that you can duplicate his works on the earth. And how does he do that? He does that by giving you access to the same immeasurable anointing that he had on his earthly walk. And so my desire for you this morning is that you would step into the overflowing waters of his spirit where you can command signs and wonders at will, but not only command signs and wonders, but where you can also take authority over every situation that you may find yourself in. A few months ago, my wife and I, had gone to Michigan. She traveled on the road with me. There's a lot of people that ask, does your wife ever travel with you? When she behaves, she's allowed to travel with me. So last year, she behaved well enough, and I took her with me to Michigan. She did a women's meeting on a Saturday night. And uh, my wife's also a preacher, and she does a good job at it. She's completely different than me. For some of you, you may think I'm annoying, arrogant, but my, you know, And I can sometimes I can see why I come across like that Because I'm Portuguese It's the European on the inside of me I just talk very loud You know what I mean? But my wife is from New Brunswick, Canada If any of you have ever been to New Brunswick, Canada They are very shy They are very conservative When we had our wedding in New Brunswick, Canada You could tell which side of the family Which side of the hall her family was sitting on And which side of the hall my family was sitting on And so, but my wife you know, we're completely opposite. But like that famous poet one day said, Paula Abdul, opposites attract. And so my wife and, I, my wife and I got together and we got married. And so she's doing a wonderful job raising our kids back in Maine. But she came with me to Michigan. And of all trips for this to happen, it had to happen on the trip that she was on with me. We left Portland, Maine, and we flew. we were flying to Washington, Uh, Dulles International Airport, and uh, while we were flying, yeah, Reagan, and uh, halfway up in the air, the pilot comes on and says, there's some technical difficulties here on the plane, and we're trying to fix it, and if we don't fix it while we're here in the air, then we're going to have to land at a different airport, so you know, things like that sometimes are kind of common, and he was cool about it, he kept everybody calm, and by the way he spoke, you would have never assumed that there was actually a real problem, you know, But then, like 15, 20 minutes later goes by, one of the flight attendants runs down the aisle, and she picks up the telephone, you know, at the front of the plane, and she's like, ladies and gentlemen, everybody back to your seats, strap your seatbelts as tight as you can, and brace yourselves for a hard landing. And I thought to myself, what in the world? Everybody in the plane all of a sudden started like going nuts. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And she goes on to say, the pilot has lost complete control of the airplane. We have no control of the steering wheel. So we're going to have to go to Dulles International Airport and hope to God, she said, that the runway is long enough for us to stop before it comes to a turn or before we hit the end of the runway and go into some type of wall or go into the ocean. And so everybody on the plane started panicking and freaking out, you know. And I'll tell you what, my wife started freaking out. And I'll tell you how I knew that. Because as soon as the, as soon as the, 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 the flight attendant said that, my wife all of a sudden started praying in the Holy Ghost. And, so, and I know that may sound funny, but you know what? If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, that would be the perfect time to start praying in the Holy Ghost. And I'll tell you what, I started panicking myself too. I'm not going to sit here and act like I was a macho man and I wasn't worried or afraid. You know, I wasn't afraid, but I was concerned. Because the concern that I had was my son and my daughter are back in my house with my in-laws, and I said, Lord, my son and daughter cannot afford to spend the rest of their lives with my in-laws. You have got to get us out of this mess. They're going to grow up crazy if my in-laws raise them, and so you've got to get us up out of this mess, and so I remember when everybody started going crazy and bracing themselves, I grabbed my wife's hand, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I prayed loud. I don't care who was around me. I said, in the name of Jesus, I command this airplane to land without a problem. We are not going to crash. Not one single body on this plane is going is to get hurt or suffer any, any, you know, anything upon their life. But we're landing safely in the name of Jesus. I thank you for calling us to go to Michigan to preach the gospel. There's no way. And I said this, there is no way that you're going to send us to Michigan to preach, and our plane is going to get halfway there and crash. Absolutely not. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over this plane. And as we started descending, everybody started getting nervous. I kept staying in the Word, kept staying in faith. And as you look out the window, you see like 25 different cop cars, you see the ambulances. You see the firefighters. They were all waiting for us to land just in case something bad happened. But when they hit that, when they hit the tarmac, they hit the tarmac hard and strong. And you can tell when the pilot hit the brakes. And you even heard the plane kind of go, you know, and it, and it kind of fishtailed at the end. And then the plane came to a complete stop. And everybody got there. They taxied us out to the. They taxied us out to like. A, where, what's the name of that thing? The, yeah, terminal to the gates, yeah. And uh, the Portuguese kicked in. I forgot the simple word. And so they taxied us out to the, to the gates, and then they said, well, we're going to fix the problem that we have on the plane, so we're going to give you an option. You can either stay on the plane, or you can get off the plane, and you can go to the next plane that they have ready for you to take you to the rest, the rest of your way uh, to Michigan, about like 99% of the people on the plane got up and they left. My wife and I stayed seated. The flight attendant goes, "Are you going to leave?" I said, "No." I said, "We'll stay on the plane." She's like, Are "You sure?" I said, "Yeah, the devil tried to take me out once and he failed." That means if he tries a second time, he's going to fail. My plane's going to get there in Jesus' name. I stayed in the plane just to show the devil you can do whatever you want to do. There is nothing that you can do in my life that God is not able to take care of in the name of Jesus. For the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I took authority over the situation. And when everybody else was afraid and thought that they weren't going to make it, I knew that the God that I serve wasn't going to let me down. He wasn't going to fail me, but he was going to allow me to reach my my final destination in Jesus name now listen you got the first you got the second measure of the spirit the baptism of the Holy Spirit and then he got you got um, the anointing of the Holy Spirit and that's all great that's all great and all but none of that will come to fruition in your life unless you allow the first measure of the Holy Spirit to come in and you say well what is that preacher Well I'm glad you asked me because I'm gonna tell you right now In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 the Bible says, It is impossible to say that Jesus is Lord without the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You see, the first work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a person is to bring about or on that person the conviction of sin. And the first measure of the Holy Spirit that God releases upon the life of a person is actually to bring that individual to a point of decision. Can somebody say amen? whether or not you have already made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. Understand this. Every single one of us, whether you've reached it or haven't reached it, if you haven't reached it, let me give you something that is a guarantee. Every single one of us will reach a point in life where we will either clearly receive Jesus or we will reject him. And I believe today... Is one of those moments for some for some of the for some people in here today. Understand today that this preacher, I didn't come from Bangor, Maine, or from the Netherlands now to condemn you. But I came to tell you that your life is valuable and your life is important and that your life has purpose for the kingdom of God. And I believe it is only by the Spirit of God that you can step in to your purpose. But it begins by making a decision to follow Christ and to turn your back on sin. You see, you are not saved. I'm gonna ask the musicians to come up or at least the, the, the keyboard player. You're not saved because you got up one day and you said, well, it's a good day here in the Toronto area. The sun is shining, the birds are chirping, No rain in the forecast. I think today would be a good day for me to go to church and to get saved. That's not why you're saved. You're saved by the leading of the Holy Spirit, by the drawing of God's Spirit. Can somebody say amen? I got saved because somebody was praying for me. I got saved because the Holy Spirit was tugging at my heart. And when he began to tug at my heart, at that moment, I had the opportunity to either reject Jesus or to receive him into my life. You ever think back to the day that you got saved and you say, man, the day I got saved, it feels like the whole day was orchestrated for me to get saved. Do you ever think am I the only one that thinks like that? But I look back to the day I got saved and I said, man, it's, it was like pieces in a puzzle. It just, everything just fit together. And I thought, like, there were times when I was thinking, I wasn't even supposed to be at that church service. And I wasn't even supposed to be l- listening to that preacher. I was high on drugs. Five hours. Smoking marijuana, smoking blunts. If you don't know what blunts are, marijuana, take a cigar, fill the cigar with marijuana. That's what it was. And I looked back, and I said, man, I wasn't even supposed to be at that church service. But why does it feel like the whole day was orchestrated? And that's when the Holy Spirit opened my eyes and said, it's because it was orchestrated. It wasn't orchestrated by man. It was orchestrated by my Holy Spirit. And I remember weeks, days before that, the Holy Spirit talking to my heart. The truth is, some of you are here, and you think, well, I'm here by accident. I'm here because somebody invited me. I'm here because I drove one day down Western Road and I seen this church and I said, hey, you know what? I'm gonna give that church a shot. But you're not here because you said you're gonna give that church a shot. You're not here because your friend invited you. You're not here for no other reason other than the fact that the Holy Spirit has already been tugging at your heart. For some of you, you know you need to get your lives right with God. And for those, and there are others who say, hey, you know what? I used to live for Jesus. I used to be on fire for God, but it seems like the things of God have been diminishing away from my life. The fire has been going, but today God made sure that you were here so that the fire that seemed, that you seem to be losing, God brought you here so that He can reignite that fire on the inside of you. My friend, listen to this. You look at everything that's happening in the world. Right now is not the time to play church. Jesus Christ is coming back very soon. And the main work of the Holy Spirit is to pick you up out of your mess and to put you on the right track towards heaven. Can somebody say amen? Jesus is coming back very, very soon. We see with everything that's happening in the Middle East, we see where Russia, Iran, In Syria, in Israel, most of all, everything is centered on the Middle East. The Bible says you'll hear wars and rumors of wars. Nations will rise up against nation. When you read Matthew 24, Matthew 25, you feel like you're actually reading about what is happening today. But the Bible says these are all signs. These are all signs to the second coming of Christ. Now, let me just say this real quickly. Those are signs to the second coming of Christ. The second coming of Christ is when he comes with all of his holy people and he establishes a kingdom on the earth that will never, ever know any end. The second coming of Christ and the rapture are two totally different things. So these signs that we read about in Matthew 24, Matthew 25, those are signs to the second coming of Christ, where he comes back to establish his kingdom. So that says to me, if we are that close to the second coming of Christ, how much closer are we to the rapture of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? You may be here today and your life may not be right with God, but today, God sent me all the way from the Netherlands this time to give you an opportunity to make your life right. Receive Jesus Christ. Get rid of your sin before your sin gets rid of you. There are people in here, you know you need to make your life right with God. But today, it doesn't matter what you've done, what you've seen, the blood of Jesus Christ can redeem any sin. Can somebody say amen? You may think, well, God can never forgive me. You know what that is? That's a lie from the devil. The devil wants you to think that God will never forgive you. But the Bible says, That his love is too wide, too deep, too high. The Bible says he'll call out unto him. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's all you have to do is call out to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, I messed up. I sinned. I did wrong. When everybody else would criticize you, you know what Jesus will do? Jesus, like the prodigal son, he'll open up his arms to you. And he'll say, it's all right son, it's all right daughter, I forgive you, I love you. That's the thing with Jesus, his grace and his mercy, can somebody say amen? His grace and his mercy, and he wants to show you his grace. He wants to show you his mercy, but it begins by calling out on the name of Jesus. And for those of you who say, preacher, I know deep down in me, I need to make my life right with God. I want to give you that opportunity. I want to give you that opportunity to make your life right with God. In most places, they would have everybody bow their heads. They would have everybody close their eyes. And then they would say, hey, how many people know they're going to go to heaven? Everybody, people would raise their hand. And then they would say, now there are those of you that didn't raise a hand. So that says that there are those of you who know you're not going to make it into heaven. So if you know you're not going to make it into heaven, lift a hand. So then those people lift a hand. Now I want to challenge you. I want you to stand to your feet. And then those people, one by one, slowly, they get to their feet. And then he says, I want to challenge you to do something else. Come to the altar. But that's not me. I'm just going to challenge you to do one thing. You're here today, and you know your life is not right with God. Either you've never made a decision to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, and you've never willingly repented of your sins because make no mistakes. Willingly or unwillingly, every knee will bow down. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Not Muhammad, not Buddha. Jesus is Lord. So whether you're here you've never made a decision, never repented of sin, you make a decision today and you take the challenge that I'm about to take you, God will make you a brand new person. And secondly, you're here today and you say the fire is dead. The fire has died. I'm no longer on fire for God the way I used to be. I've grown cold, but I need to get back to my first love. If that's you, this invitation is for you too. So what I'm going to ask you, with every eye open, every head up, I'm going to ask those that are bold, those that are courageous enough to say, I need Jesus in my life. I can't make it without him. I heard somebody say religion is a crutch for the weak. Well, you know what? Good. Good. Because without Christ, I am weak. Without Christ, I'll never accomplish anything. But with Christ, heaven is my home. With Christ, I can do all things. With Christ, I am strong. Can somebody say amen? You see, when you come to Jesus, your better days are not behind you. When you come to Jesus, your better days are ahead of you. Can somebody say amen? I told people Friday, you know, people come to Jesus, and the first thing the preacher says is, Now your life is going to get harder, and it's going to get more difficult. No, that's a lie. It doesn't get harder. It doesn't get difficult. It gets sweeter and sweeter as the day goes by. Can somebody say amen? So I want to give you an opportunity today. You're here this morning, and you say, preacher, I need to make my life right with God. Whether you've never made the decision, or whether you've walked away, and the fire that you once had is not there anymore, I want to give you an invitation And I'm going to give you five. I'm going to have them actually sing this song. Sing it once, Jonathan. And as Jonathan sings, for those of you who need to make a decision to repent of sin and come to Jesus, this invitation is for you. So as he starts singing, just get up out of your seat wherever you're at and meet me here at the song. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.